Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. Well, good morning. I am so glad to be here, and I'm really glad, Amy, that I can be like uh, uh, a regular now. Um, I'll take that. Um, but I'm, I am really thankful to just be with you, um, and I just constantly am thankful for Pastor Josh. Um, I, I feel like um, our passage will lend to me teasing Josh a little bit, and he's not here to defend himself so we're all going to go in together and tease him, and he'll listen to it later and be joyed. Um, but our, our passage really is about two types of people. Um, there's two contrasting audiences uh, reacting to Jesus here. There's this one group that I'm going to call the, the hometown fail. It's Jesus going to his hometown, and they reject his prophetic role, and they see him as he truly is, or they think they do. And then there's this other group that we'll call the sent out faithful, right? Where they are a group who received Jesus' call and they walk it out. They, they walk the walk of their faith. So they were disciples who go out and make other disciples. So there's a fail group and then there is a uh, faith group. And like I said, I, I can't help but think of um, or be reminded of Josh um, he reminded me when he, when he moved back here, and Josh and I have known each other for a really long time. We got to serve together. Uh, he served as an intern at the church I was pastoring um, years ago. But when he moved back, he reminded me, uh, and I, I didn't remember this, but he reminded me that he actually grew up in this church. And uh, he said, yeah, there's some people that actually changed my diapers in this and that are still here. And um, so maybe some of, that's some of you here awkwardly. Um, and so it's kind of weird to say, now, Josh is my senior pastor or the lead pastor. And some of you may be in that space where you're like, oh, well, that, that's just little Joshy. Little Joshy from the sixth grade, right? You know, it's just there. When, when Josh told me he grew up in this church, I instantly thought about this passage. I was like, oh, oh, you're at the place where you grew up. And, and I wondered, how, how would people receive Josh? I mean, he certainly isn't Jesus, but uh, how would the people of Colorado Baptist Church receive him as a prophetic voice, as a strong shepherd, as a soulful guide? Or would uh, many just say, oh, that's just little Joshy who grew up running through the halls here. Um, by the way, Josh did not ask me to bring this up. Maybe he asked me to preach this passage because he knew something would be there, but he didn't ask me. But all that to say that the, the good news is, is that this passage isn't really about Josh. It's about Jesus, and it's about him going back to his hometown and being received in such a different way than he's been received in the past. But it's also about him moving on and going, into, uh, and, and going out and sending out his other disciples. So the, but the big question that underlines both of these audiences and both of these contexts is, how do you receive Jesus? How do you receive Jesus? 
If you were to honestly assess how you receive Jesus, would you be more in the hometown fail group or the sent out faith group? Which one would you be in? Well, let's unpack this and maybe you can start really praying and asking the Lord, how do I receive you, Jesus? Uh, Let's look first at verses one through six and see how the hometown fail group received Jesus. So at this point, In the beginning of this passage, verse one through six, Jesus has been having an incredible success in ministry. So many people have received him with repentance and healing and powerful teaching. I mean, he healed a demon-possessed man in one town. And then he healed a woman who was bleeding by just the touch of his robe, the touch of his garment. He raised up Jarius's daughter. It's really overwhelming how much he is going out and he is changing the very fabric of the society. He is bringing the kingdom of heaven into the lives of so many different people everywhere he went. But here, here we are in chapter six where Jesus travels back to his hometown of Nazareth, a small village, maybe 500 people, a village where everybody knows everybody and they would have certainly known Jesus they would have known little Jesus here, right? They knew his family history. All of that was in their mind. And they hear Jesus is preaching in the synagogue and they feel a little sketchy about that. They might have been a little weary of Joseph's, Jesus' father, relationship with Mary. They're unsure about who Jesus' true father really was. I mean, even 30 plus years later, I mean, it's been a while. Jesus is a grown man here, but it's been a while. He, there's still scandal and, and squinty eyes at Jesus and his family here, as many small towns are. And they did not forget those formative years. And so they show up to the synagogue, Jesus is teaching, and they are stubborn, they are skeptical, and they're eye-rolling. Here Jesus is. He is teaching the same teaching, the same power, the same authority that he had many uh, towns over. Here he is bringing that. And he's, he's bringing it up, but Mark records that many of them were astonished, but not not the same kind of astonishment that many heard before that drove the disciples into seeing him in awe and worship and, and just they're, they're following after him. No, this was the kind of astonishment or baffledness that Jesus was teaching in this certain way. And when and he has even been trained or has even been equipped for this task, they're, they're kind of like, what is he doing here? So they said, where did he get these things? Where where does he get all this wisdom from? Who does he think he is? They they knew he wasn't educated in seminary. They knew he hadn't been discipled. They knew he hadn't been trained and sent out by the real rabbis of the day. And they certainly didn't believe that he was getting these things, this wisdom, from the very pure source of God himself. They, they didn't believe any of that. And so they were shocked 
at all the reports they had been hearing from the other towns over all the mighty works that supposedly have been done. They were shocked at all of that. And I'm sure, I'm sure word has spread into, into the town that he was walking with power and authority in the way he was. So they asked the biggest question they could have asked when Jesus shows up in the synagogue. They said, how? How? How does he heal the sick? How does he cast out demons? How does he forgive sins? How are such mighty works done by his hands? For them, Jesus' hands was for building furniture, for cutting stone, right? He's a carpenter. They know him as a carpenter. What is his hands doing the work of God? It's not for spirit, spirit-filled power. Carpenters were not really of high status, right? They, Jesus didn't have uh, an Instagram account, an influencer account showing off all his live edge tables and all these people looking at how amazing he is with working with wood and working with uh, stone. It wasn't like he was this really important person with this craft here. Being a carpenter was it was a respected profession, but it was definitely not high up on the social ladder. It was actually very low on the social ladder. He was a blue-collared laborer. And so what they're really asking is, what in the world is this worker, laborer doing teaching in the synagogue? And they add one more little dig into this. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? We all might know this, but in nearly every single reference in the first century, people were not referenced by their mother. They were referenced by their father's name. So they should be saying, is this not the son of Joseph? But they didn't. Why? Because in their minds, again, they see Jesus as being conceived out of wedlock. All kinds of family drama. They were pointing out that Jesus isn't even legitimate because Mary was pregnant before Joseph and her were married. They were pointing out, we know them. We know that history. We know Mary. And they say, we know James. We know Joseph. We know Judas, Simon, and the sisters. We know them all. And at this point, we assume that Jesus' brothers and sisters, they actually didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ yet. They didn't follow him. Now, later we know that James came to believe after the resurrection, and he went on to write the New Testament book of James, and in fact, lead the whole church in Jerusalem. But at this point, Mary, Jesus' mom, is the only one who believes and is the only one who is following and going from town to town with him. So this was a traumatic experience, I'm sure, for Mary as well, to be in this space, to have Jesus there and being rejected like this. So the whole situation of Jesus hearing, healing, and forgiving just one, one town over and Jesus teaching in the synagogue that day, it all was a scandal and it offended people in this little town. It worked over there, not here. 
Now, thinking about this situation as it is, I had to step back. We all have to step back and just ask a question. Like, how, how do you think this was for Jesus? What, what do you think was going on in his heart, in his mind, in this moment? After all, we know that Jesus sees to the very bottom of all our hearts. He knows our true motivation. He knows their true motivation there. What was this whole situation like for Jesus? Well, just knowing the character and the posture of Jesus, I imagine that this brought him deep, deep, heavy-hearted sorrow and sadness. Maybe there was some awkward silence in there as everybody folded their arms and just said, no, you're just, you're just the laborer. You're Mary. You belong to Mary. But he spoke up and he quoted an old adage that might have been fairly known at the time. He said, a prophet is without, not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. He's saying, I get it. None of you here believe me. My relatives, they don't believe me yet. So did Jesus just lose all his authority and all his power when he got there? Where did that go? Well, we know it's still there because we see the next verses that he healed a few, uh, healed a few sick people, but the people there couldn't accept him as he truly was. They couldn't receive that power. They couldn't see past his background, his upbringing, his social status, his family. And so Jesus was shocked at the depth of their unbelief, of their lack of faith, and he withholds his power from their stubborn hearts. They don't get to experience him as he truly is because they won't even listen or receive. Maybe that is why many in the Western church today doesn't get to experience Jesus' power. Maybe that's why many of us don't get to experience the awe and the holiness of who Jesus is because our heart's posture is just a little like that, a little cross-armed, a little shaking at Jesus and saying, yeah, mm, no, I don't believe this. This can't be right. We've boxed Jesus in. We've been so skeptical at who he is. And I, I get that we have a lot of questions. I mean, I have a lot of questions. We have a lot of questions. But is our posture one of saying, I know better than you, Jesus? I know better than you, who you say you are? I know better? Or are we coming and we're saying, Lord, I don't, I don't know. Who are you? I want to know you. What is our posture here? But there... There's another way, and, and I love that we get to look at the, this passage um, from verse 1 all the way to verse 13, because there's another group of people, the disciples, who are more like this, arms out, ready to receive, ready to get to work, ready to go. So let's look at them 
next. So Jesus calls the 12 back to himself after this. And I imagine that in Jesus' heart, again, he's heavy hearted. He just lost his hometown. And so he calls them back to himself and he begins to send them out two by two with his very own power and authority to heal in Jesus' name. And at this point, we can see that the disciples had only been watching Jesus. They'd only been observing him. As they follow him around, Jesus was the one who was performing the miracles. He was the one with authority. They were just merely observing. But now Jesus gathers them up and says, it's, it's time. It's time for you to go. You got to go and do what I've been doing. Now, have you ever been to a conference or maybe a class where the teacher talks and you're happy with that? And then they say, okay, now we're going to stop and we're going to do an exercise together. And you're like, oh, you know, no, I, you know, you, we're going we're gonna to move into groups or we're going to have to talk and interact. Some of you introverts are like, oh, I hate that part right? I just can't stand it. Um, it's easy to sit passively and it's easy to listen, but now to go and try it. I remember back when I was in college, I was a college student and I was doing a spring break with the college ministry of crew, Campus Crusade. One of the staff guys uh, from another school, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, do you want to go out on the beach and start sharing the gospel? And uh, I was like, okay, sure. I knew this was going to be part of the deal. You know, we were going to go out and talk to people about Jesus on the beach, college spring breakers. I mean, I'm sure somewhere somebody thought that was a great idea. So I'm like, all right, let's go. And uh, we go and he says, oh, now see the folks over there. Why don't you go over and initiate and talk to them? My heart just started like beating out of my chest with nervousness because I'm like, me, you know, maybe you should do it. <laughs> maybe you do it. And I'll be your wingman. I'll be your hype guy, you know, whatever, whatever works. But, um, and, and, you know, and honestly, I'm, for some of you, I like, I, I feel sympathetic because I'm kind of an extrovert and uh, I like meeting new people. But for me, that was still too much. <laughs> so imagine some of you are introverted and you're like, I don't like people at all. Um, that's terrifying to think of going out and, and sharing just with strange, random strangers. But uh, I said, do you want me to initiate? And he puts his arm on my shoulder and he just says, yep. I can still feel that panic. When I was writing this story down, I feel the panic, feel the, the fear filled, the nervousness of that moment. And, and I've gotten to experience that moment many times since. And it's, 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 again, it's much easier to be the guy behind the guy, right? It's much easier to be behind the hype person, behind the real person that's actually doing all the talking. I'm much happier to do that. But here Jesus is, He's giving the disciples that moment to go out. You guys got this. Two by two. So at least they have a buddy. Right? At least they have somebody else with them. But they, he sends them out and they have to trust God with everything. Food, money, and especially words. And, and it's that moment for them uh, to go out there and do what I've been doing. This is Jesus basically saying, go out, do what I've been doing. I'm not going to be there, but I'm going to give you all the authority. I'm going to give you the power. And they do. They do it. 
I imagine they're filled with all those nerves. They're filled with all kinds of fear. They're shaken. They're looking at their, you know, their partner, their buddy that they're going out with like, are you freaking out, man? I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm scared. I'm no, I'm so nervous, but they do it. Verse 12 says they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who are sick and healed them. They did it. I'm sure there was even doubt like I I don't I think I just messed my words up. This is too like there's all kinds of things that they wish they could have done differently. But Jesus, Jesus is standing in absolute pride of what is happening and joy. Uh, we, we as, as a church, and especially in America, we really love the invitational passages, right? The passages where Jesus says, come, be with me. Come, get away with me. Come, we love the union and the communion with God passages, and we should. I love those passages too. There are a lot of those, but Jesus' heart and his posture is that we go. Not that we go without him, but we take him We take him all bottled up in our soul. We take that union. We take that communion. We take that invitation to relationship with him. We take all of that and we go out into the streets and we just let it spill over out into the streets with our friends, with our coworkers, with our family, with our neighbors, for them to experience the power and the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ. We take all of that. That's Jesus' posture for us, his church. It would have been really beautiful to hear a few stories of what actually happened. What were the conversations like? How did John or, or, or Peter or Mary, how did they stumble through all of this stuff? It would have been really interesting to hear what happened. But if you notice in the passage, um, there's a bit of an interruption. So we get to the end of 13, and there's a little bit of an interruption with this story of John the Baptist and his unfortunate death. Um, So I I don't mean to minimize that, but if you skip ahead to verse 30, you see the story picks back up in verse 30 as apostles. If you've got your Bible open, if you're looking on your screen, you've noticed, you have to notice that Mark actually started out in verse 30. One of chapter six, he started out calling him the disciples, but then in verse 30, he calls them apostles. He's calling them sent out ones. Uh, that's what apostles means, sent out ones. Mark tells us the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that he has done, he had done and taught. So I can imagine Jesus sets up a big fire and a big old feast. And he's sitting by that fire, two by two. They all start trickling back in. He's hugging them. And they're all like, Jesus, I got to tell you what happened. And then they start all sharing what's going on, what happened. And you just get into this frenzy of all kinds of powerful and amazing stories that were going on. The debrief, the debrief must have just been amazing. 
Um, but that we see the apostles were tired and they're hungry, they're worn out. And Jesus, he's wanting to hear all this. There is so much joy for him. So one group of people failed. One group of people had faith. One group just went away back to their normal life. One group came back filled with joy and stories and community. The hometown fail crowd shrugged their shoulders in ambivalence. I can't believe that's Jesus. The apostles sent out, came back full of life. So let me ask you again, how do you receive Jesus? Considering these two results, how do you really receive Jesus? Do you just shrug your shoulders and go back to your normal life, to normal work, to normalcy and with ambivalence? Or do you come back with stories full of faith? Well, of course, I want to call you to go out today as sent ones. Now, we... We may know or have heard Jesus' final words in the Gospel of Matthew after his death and his resurrection. This is the most, one of the most famous passages in all of the scripture. He says, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go therefore, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission that hasn't been just pulled aside the disciples and tell the little group of disciples. This is a commission that has been given to you and me and to all generations that come under Jesus' name. It's been given to us. So if you are a Christian, let this be your reminder that this week, this commission lies on you. It is part of you. It is worked into your DNA. And it is a soulful power for you. With love and grace, you can go and talk to your coworkers or your neighbors. Who will you talk to? Who is Jesus sending you to? Don't wait for Pastor Josh to do it for you. Can't say, well, that's what we pay Josh for, is to go out and share. No, this is a commission that has been given to all. Don't wait for the internet preacher to do it. Set up a coffee this week. Share your story. Invite somebody to follow Jesus. If you, if, and I don't, I don't want to just assume that everybody here is a Christian and they, that they hear this and they just go. Some of you may be in a space still of unbelief. When I ask, how do you receive Jesus? You're like, actually, honestly, I'm more like the hometown group. So I want to ask, will you at least open your heart to considering Jesus? Would you not let yourself get so hard like the hometown fail people that you can't even consider anything about him to be true? There are a lot of friends here who uh, I know are not interested in just beating you over the head um, with, with the Bible or yelling at you to believe. But 
who with love want to hear your story, want to understand some of the background and interaction that you've had with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place of unbelief, to go seek out somebody like that. Seek them out and talk to them. Process where you are with Jesus, with them. Ask hard questions, good questions. Come with a posture, though, of openness and humility, wanting to hear. Thank you for tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a -A K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Carl Road Baptist Church. And don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.